Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History final. Tie game with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh yeah, so easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And we welcome you in to Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. Hope everybody enjoyed their Christmas and is maybe still enjoying some time off from work. Joined, as always, by my partner in crime. You know him as Showtime Cappers on Twitter, where you can find all of his gambling picks at Showtime Cappers. I know him as Matt Siegel. You can find my picks at Undercover Greg. I'm having a pretty good week, not to puff my chest out, but it's been good, and we hope it can continue into the weekend. Greg, College Greg, 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 let me tell you, say it with your chest, Greg. <laughs> College football playoff, NFL Week 17, Always some interesting angles in bowl games and NFL Week 17. Sometimes a little bit of a different handicap than the first 16 weeks in the National Football League. Matt, good to be back with you. How was your How was your cruise and how are we doing? Greg, what's going on? Let me tell you, the cruise was great. Got some sun. It was nice weather, nice family time, food, drinks. Obviously, crush the casino. You know they they really they really were starting to hate me by the end of the week. Now, it was now, it was getting your, uh, game of choice. What blackjack slots? Okay, Greg. So I'm a huge single deck blackjack player. That is my game of choice. I will also play blackjack. Uh, six decks only. Hand shuffle though. I don't mess around with the electronic shuffle. Eight decks. You can miss me there. I'm not sitting down at that table. 
Okay. So, I guess without further ado, uh, as again, as I said, we hope everybody is enjoying their holiday season. I took a week off from work, but we don't take days off here or weeks off, I should say, here with Full Slate. Uh, we are happy to give you some more gambling picks for the weekend. As I said, college football uh, bowl season rolling on, playoff uh, beginning tomorrow with LSU and Oklahoma, the first game, and then NFL Week 17. So let's get right into it and go to some bowls that are kicking off later today. And I'm actually going to start with a max play uh, to start off a little steamy here. And I'm going to take the Michigan State Spartans minus the four, three and a half, depending what your book has. I've seen both. Um, and I love it against Wake Forest. Uh, simply put, in this bowl game, Michigan State, is trying to avoid a losing season, and it's an, always an angle I like in bowls, and I like it more with programs like Michigan State, who we always know, like, they made the college football playoff uh, four years ago or whenever that was, but they have made the playoff before. Usually a team that is in contention to win the Big Ten wasn't the case this year, but they are a program that I expect to still play hard, that I expect to still try, as I said trying to avoid a losing season. Mark D'Antonio has been the coach there since 2007, and he has never had a losing season in his time at Michigan State. So I think that they all get up for this game. Matt, I know you like this play as well. Michigan State, the Spartans, is my first play for today. Yeah, Greg, I, I like Michigan State Spartans here pretty much for all the reasons you just said here. To avoid a losing season – and they've really just had an up-and-down year. You know, we understand they were sitting at 4-6 and six with two games to remain. They won the final two games in order to get this bowl game. Meanwhile, Wake Forest has dropped three of its last four coming into this game. I understand all three were on the road. One was against Clemson, you know, where there were huge dogs. But the other two, they were favorites. Uh, <clears throat> They were favorites and lost outright. I just see two teams coming into this game in different directions, Wake for, and, and it's just meaning a little bit more to a Michigan State team, you know, with a little more history uh, college football-wise than Wake Forest. I think this win means more to them. Yeah, and lastly, I'm glad you mentioned the winning their last two games to get to 6-6 six and because six, that's another angle I look for. Like, out of nowhere, then all of a sudden it's like, oh, now we can have a winning season when we were under 500 in the middle of November and it looked like we weren't even going to play in this bowl game. So I think when you end with wins in the regular season, it's another thing I like to look at in the bowl season. Let's keep things moving and go to another bowl game. We're going to try and fire off some picks. We have a lot of them, so we're going to try and keep things moving pretty quickly. Uh, let's go to the first of the evening bowls, uh, and that's Texas A&M against Oklahoma State, the Texas A&M Aggies, four and a half, five-point chalk, depending where you shop. And I'm going to give out the favorite again here in the Texas Bowl. Uh, so that that right there makes me think that Texas A&M could have a home crowd in this game, though I would not be surprised if there are some Oklahoma State fans that make the trips out as well. Basically, the big reason I like this play uh, is, and this is a one-unit play for me on, on the Aggies, um, is they have played so such a hard schedule and been in a lot of games. And so when you lose, they played Clemson non-conference. 
you know, Georgia and, you know, Alabama, just a loaded schedule. We, we don't need to go through it all for the Aggies. But I love to play on teams like this who were tested so much in the regular season, probably better than their record. Uh, Oklahoma State was favored, I remember, because I lost this game against Baylor and really rolled over. That was a big game for Oklahoma State. And Oklahoma, despite playing down to some teams, Oklahoma State did not uh, hang around the whole game against Oklahoma. So against the better competition for Oklahoma State, not so sure that uh, it can hang. And as I said, I think A&M is worthy of being respected uh, despite the record. So uh, I'll go with the Aggies minus the points. Yeah, Greg, I, I, I don't I don't hate that angle. I lean Aggies as well. I may very well be playing that uh, come game time, come kickoff tonight. The angle I was more interested in this game was the under, Greg. Oklahoma State comes in going under four of its last five. Texas A&M, three of its last five. Three straight for unders for both of these teams. And both of these teams come in the same way, right? So Oklahoma State lost to a much better Oklahoma team. Texas A&M comes in losing to a much better LSU team and a much better Georgia team. So both of these teams are kind of coming in, you know, they're, they're, they're one and two games over 500. They had solid years, nothing crazy. They come in, like I said, losing to much better teams. It's just like, you know, it's not that they don't want to really play this game, but that's kind of really what you got to decipher these days for these bowl games. Absolutely. Motivation. Yeah, that's really the huge part of motivation. That's why some of these spreads and lines might be a little, quote-unquote, weird to what people might think. Oh, why is it like that? Why is it? Because motivation is a key factor. Who's playing? Who's sitting? You know, who cares to win? Which coaches are coaching for jobs to retain their jobs? Which coaches are coaching for jobs elsewhere? You know, which players are playing for Starting which co- spots, which lost coaches, you know, to coaching lost teams. coaches, which teams are playing for starting spots, which teams, I mean, players are playing for starting spots next year, which players are playing for their last game to show, you know, NFL scouts what they have. There's just a lot of moving pieces going on in these bowl games that aren't going on in the regular season. So with that being said, I really like the under here with two teams coming in off of losses against teams that are much better. I just think both of them are going to try and end their season on a high note rather than the low note they ended the regular season. And I think it's going to be a hard-fought game. I really do. Lastly, for a Friday pick, I'm going to um, skip over the Holiday Bowl between Iowa and USC. And I am more interested in the final bowl on the schedule tonight, and that is the Air Force Falcons and the Washington State Huskies in the Cheez-It Bowl out at Chase Field in Phoenix. I'm going to take Air Force, the short favorite, minus two and a hook uh, at most shops against Washington State. A little bit of a system play for me. Matt just mentioned it. We don't know how much teams are really going to get up for certain games uh, in these bowls. Well, I think you can always count on the academies to really give it their all and treat it like it's any other game and get excited for it and play hard. So I like to play on the service academies in these bowls, especially the pre-New Year's bowls. If they're not good enough to play that late into the year, uh, then it's just kind of a system thing where I expect them to be a little bit more buttoned up. And if you're Washington State, you know, the Pac-12, rightfully so, takes a lot of heat. You would think 
I would want to play on a Pac-12 team. Like, for example, I'll just give a little tease. I like Oregon in the Rose Bowl next week against Wisconsin because that's an opportunity for the Pac-12 to prove itself against another Power 5 conference. Here, you don't have that angle. I just think it's a simple motivational mismatch. I like Air Force. Yeah, Greg, I, re- I really like your analysis there. I, it makes a lot of sense, and, you know, it's really relatable to uh, the, the the Oregon game where you said where the Pac-12 has to show what they have. But here, I agree, Air Force, um, you know, I think they should have their way running the ball as well. I think that's um, something something to note there. However, however, Greg, I do have a statistic that I, that I want to give to you um, in a minute, but <clears throat> I want to ask you, do you think that Air Force is motivated for this game? I mean, I'm just gambling that they more so than Washington State is kind of what I'm getting at there. Okay, even with Washington State sitting at 6-6 six and six, and this game being the difference between them finishing with a winning and a losing record. Yeah, you know, and Mike Leach's track record in bowls, their coach, is not good. So that was another thing. I should have mentioned that in the handicap. I like to kind of look at coaches' pass in bowl games and how they handle the extra prep. So that's another thing that I kind of trust the academy programs to kind of make the most of their extra time. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, not to, not to uh, say that the academies care more about the bowl games per se, but... If there were schools to say that they try harder every single game or never give up or never, you know, throw in the towel, I would hope that that would be our our, our military academy schools. Wouldn't, wouldn't right. you, Greg? <laughs> sure. You know, because that's just kind of how these guys are built and their DNA. However, I did see an interesting statistic, Greg. Um Teams that are six and six, right, in a bowl game, playing teams with seven or more wins. So they've solidified a winning record for the yeah. season against the teams that are six and six, potentially losing record. They're hitting against the spread at about like 75 or 80 percent. I, I need to find the exact statistic. I, 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 I apologize. You know, for not having the exact, but it's some crazy rate like that. And then when it's a double digit or when it's a seven point dog and up, it, it bumped up to like 85% against the spread. So just a little something to be aware of just with the motivational factor between the difference of a winning and a losing record. But like I said, if there is a team to have motivation, I got to go with it with our, 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 our military academies and the Air Force would be one of them. Let's move on to Saturday where uh, Matt has a couple plays in the early window. Uh, Saturday will be a good day of bowl games. Uh, And let's see. We're going to start in the Cotton Bowl. Then we'll backtrack to the Camping World Bowl. Cotton Bowl, though, at AT AT&T Stadium, of course, Jerry World. The Memphis Tigers, seven-point dogs against the Penn State Nittany Lions. Matt, you like the dog. I do. Greg, by the way, before we get into this, so, a 6-6 six and six team, right, off a win as a dog versus a team with seven or more wins, 20-6 and six against the spread wow. all time in these bowl games. That's 77%. 
20 and four against the spread or that's against the spread against the spread 20 and six 77 percent and 20 and four 83 percent as a dog of 15 points or less sure wow so that's pretty impressive greg um however you're in luck washington state does not qualify the key in the statistic that i was missing which there's one bowl game this bowl season that qualifies. The key statistic was the team that wins their final game in order to make them six and six. So they're sitting yeah. at five and six and they win their final game. There's one team that qualifies, Greg. Do you know who that is? Six and six. So they won the last regular season game as yes. a dog, you're saying? Yes, yes. And Greg, I am salivating at this play. I'm salivating. Um, and, and this team has not played yet, you're saying? Not played yet. It's a live trend. Um, I'll give you a hint. It goes off on Thursday, so we're a little ahead of the game, but I'm putting it out the there game. because I don't want this number to be missed, and I'm just going to give it to you. Boston College plus seven against Cincinnati. Okay. Get your checkbooks ready because I absolutely love it. Cincinnati coming off of two losses against Memphis – which obviously, you know, if they were able to steal one or they win the last the championship, they would have won the conference. So, you know, not only one loss, but back-to-back loss against Memphis. I don't know what Cincinnati has to play for. Meanwhile, Boston College went on the road as an eight-and-a-half-point favorite to Pitt and won that game by a touchdown. You mean dog. I mean, as a dog, excuse me, won that game by a touchdown just to be in this bowl game. I sure. like Boston College to get up for this game, but nonetheless, that is next Thursday, and we'll get well, back. Well, that's important, though, because obviously seven's a key number. So Key number. Key number there. So I would not miss that number. So you guys can you guys can take that seven in, and, you know, if it goes to seven and a half or eight, that's fine. I don't really care. I'd rather get it at seven than miss it at seven and it go the other way to six, six and a half. Anyway, let's get back to today, Greg. Yes, let's get back to the Cotton Bowl. You like Memphis. Yeah, yeah. Ironically, we go from right from Cincinnati to Memphis, and I do like Memphis. I think the motivation is there for Memphis. I think this is their chance, and this is just an easy spot for me, Greg. Penn State had Big Ten championship aspirations. And and Rose Bowl aspirations. And Rose Bowl aspirations. Greg, heck, they had college football playoff aspirations before they they dropped that game to Minnesota. You know, Penn State season obviously went downhill, losing the two games, even though we always expected them to lose the one to Ohio State. You know, here they are. And they didn't even end up playing in the Big Ten Championship, obviously. So their season had so many potential outcomes, and here they are playing in a bowl in the middle of Arlington, Texas. And 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 I think I saw the tickets. You could pay twenty dollars to get into Jerry World. That's probably the cheapest you'll find. Uh, even Penn State, who travels well, I don't know how many of their fans will be there. Memphis gets up for this game. They want to prove why they can hang with the big boys. Give me a touchdown for with Memphis. Yeah, I lean Memphis. Uh, the coaching change with the Tigers. The one thing that kind of. Makes me a little leery. Mike Norvell, of course, left and went to Florida State earlier in December after they beat Cincinnati. But uh, an angle that makes me less concerned about that, the interim head coach, uh, who they obviously named for this game right after Norvell departed, has since been named the full-time head coach, Ryan Silverfield. And he is coming from the staff. 
So normally if there's a coaching change, uh, it's a team I maybe like to fade because you got the rest of the staff not knowing their futures. But when they're staying within the way Memphis is, I think that actually is more of a play on because the players kind of know the guy and the guy's going to get his opportunity. And what better opportunity to make your head coaching debut than to take on Penn State in the Cotton Bowl. So I do lean Memphis. Uh, I actually like the over more in this play because uh, in this game, I should say Penn State uh, just hired a new offensive coordinator because uh, their OC departed to take the head coaching job at, uh, excuse me, Old Dominion. So you get a new offensive coordinator coming in and uh, conversely, Ryan Silverfield Uh, The head coach for Memphis, who I just mentioned, his background is on the offensive side of the ball. So I think you get some new faces uh, or, you know, new play callers, I should say, for these schools that want to make an impression. That's why I am going over the total in the Cotton Bowl. I believe I booked this at 60. Yes, over 60 is my play. I don't hate it, Greg. I, I, I really don't. I can I can see this easily easily just being a back and forth shootout, but uh, in the end, I I think Memphis um, does cover if not pulls off the upset. Uh, the Which is important upset. to note because dogs on the money line are more intriguing in bowl season because as you mentioned, Matt, with that Penn State motivation, and there's also live betting opportunities here. If we see early on. Ooh, I don't know about Penn State. I don't know if they want to play in this game. Then taking the Memphis money my, money line live is certainly under consideration. It just happens more in bowl games where we've talked a lot about the motivation. If teams check out, that is something that's not going to be factored into a live line. So uh, dogs on the money line, we've already seen uh, Florida Atlantic as a big dog win outright. Uh, and it just has been a pretty profitable uh, trend the dog normally wins outright the favorite normally covers uh, Louisiana Tech in yesterday's bowls uh, was a seven-point dog and won that game outright yeah I mean but like you said Greg it, it, you know we're not my rears here but it's pretty easy to assess the motivation um, you know a few drives or a quarter a quarter and a half in it's pretty easy to assess the motivation for both teams see how they're flying around there you know are they making the hard hits are they getting fired up or are they just going through the motions you mentioned uh, you have another play uh, before we get to the playoff. Also, a game going off at 12 noon Eastern, the Camping World Bowl in Orlando. Iowa State, three-and-a-half point underdog total, 53-and-a-half against Notre Dame, and you're looking to the total for your play. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to be honest. I booked this early at 56-and-a-half. Sitting at 53-and-a-half or 54, depending on where you shop, I still like it. I think this game goes under. This is another game. You know, Notre Dame had slight college football aspirations. Obviously ends up dropping. I don't think they're too happy about playing Iowa State or playing this bowl game in general, Greg. Just not what they want to be doing. Especially some of those big boys who are getting ready for the combine in the NFL. Um, And on the flip side, Iowa State. You know, they do look at this game as a, you know, a challenge. Like They are playing Notre Dame. They don't have a chance to play Notre Dame on noon, prime time, ABC. Uh, and I just I think they get up for this game a little bit. Three out of the last five games that both of these teams have played have gone under the total. Um, Notre Dame has been a train against the spread, 4-0 against the spread the last four. Meanwhile, Iowa State is only 1-4 against the spread the last four. So, you know, Notre Dame spread 
and then that this is where you go, well, why is Notre Dame only minus three and a half? Because is the motivation a factor for them? You know, so you have a team who's been rolling and you have a team who's been awful. Meanwhile, you come in and they're only a field goal and a half point favorite. To me, that shows that the motivation will not truly be there for Notre Dame. This is going to be a go through the motions. Clock's going to be running the whole time. Uh, this game probably goes under 48, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely lean with the under. I do. Uh, I'm not so sure, though, about Notre Dame. Notre Dame uh, not, I'm not playing this game. But the one thing I will say, uh, Brian Kelly in big games, big regular season games, big bowl games last year in the playoff got his rear end kicked. Um, that That's when you don't want to play on him. So I almost feel like this is the game he wins. And this is the game that Notre Dame goes out and kicks the crap out of an inferior opponent. All that said, the fact that it is only three and a half feels a little trappy. Notre Dame, for obvious reasons, is going to be one of the biggest public sides of the entire bowl season. So no play for me here. But I do kind of like what you're going, like what you're getting at there with the under. You would certainly expect Ohio State, or I'm sorry, Iowa State, to be pretty jacked up for this game. Speaking well, of Ohio- and on the flip side, on the flip side, Greg, just like what you said, if Notre Dame comes out motivated and determined then I don't expect this Iowa State team to score that much. Right, exactly. So, so I, I like the under regardless, right? I either think that the Notre Dame offense is going to be flat, and I pretty much what I'm saying is, even if the Notre Dame defense is flat, I think they can still limit this Iowa State offense. It's sure. just, it, 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 it's it's if the Notre Dame defense is coming out, you know, flat, and at the end, Iowa State can end up winning this game by two scores because Notre Dame doesn't care and he still goes under. So I really just like the under angle here Understood. because I think if they really are motivated, they will shut them down. And if they're not, then it'll just be a low scoring, close, boring game. Let's go to the college football playoff now. And we're going to start the with the big ones, Greg. The big ones. We're going to start with the Peach Bowl in Atlanta, Georgia. It Greg, is I got to o- give, I got to give a little fair warning before we get to our picks. Sure. I want to let everyone know, right? Even Greg and I can admit to getting caught up in this. Just because it is the college football playoffs, just because it is the big game, quote-unquote, just because it is more exciting or on national television or you are watching it with all your buddies, let me tell you something. Betting on Clemson Moneyline cashes the same way as betting on under-team total Wyoming in their bowl game. It is the same ticket. They print you out the same white piece of paper or you get the same electronic confirmation. Your bet has been placed and you get paid in the same currency, green American U.S. dollars. I just want that to to be known to everyone because that's something that any, any single person who has ever bet on sports, if they tell you they have not gotten caught up in that, then they are flat out lying to your face because everyone has. Yeah, no, you're totally right about that. And it is far easier to fall victim to that kind of uh, sports gambling strategy in college football when you have and college basketball when you have so many more games to choose from. So, yeah, you want to pick your spots. And, you know, I am going to give out a, uh, a side and I like the total in both these games. But I want to stress they're one unit plays. Uh, and I'm hoping to obviously go two for three here. And uh, I want to stress, like you said, you can go big on the big game. Just have the same reasons of why you would go big on that game is why you'd go big on any other game. Just treat it like any other game. Just because it's a big game, treat it like any other game. If anything, the bigger the game, usually the closer the line is. Because the the more knowledge 
there is out there for everyone about the teams, and the more higher, the the, the the lower key the game, you know, that's actually where you can find your edges more so because there's things that not everyone would know. There's nothing that you know about Clemson, Ohio State that everyone else out there doesn't know. Let me tell you that. And if you yeah, think no, so, you're wrong. It's a great point. And uh, on that note, I am going to start with. LSU and Oklahoma. LSU, I'm currently seeing it's up to 14. Um, juice to the Oklahoma side. Uh, total is 76. Uh, I booked LSU pretty early in December. I want to say shortly after this game was announced. I got LSU at 13. It is out to 14, as I said. I probably still play up to 14. That would probably be my buy point. I would not want to lose on LSU minus 14 and a half if they did only win by two scores. So this would be where I would stop. But I just, I, I, I cannot see how Oklahoma keeps this game close. And maybe I'm wrong and maybe Jalen Hurts is going to go out play Joe Burrow. But let's look at some games. I've been waiting for Oklahoma to get in a bowl game against a marquee opponent from outside the Big 12. And we're finally here, and it happens to be the playoff. You look at what they did in the Big 12. Both games against Baylor went right down to the wire. Overtime in the Big 12 championship game. Got behind big in Waco. Credit to them for coming back, and they didn't have C.D. Lamb in that game. But then TCU goes into Norman and gives them a close game. Iowa State played them right down to the wire. That Kansas State loss for Oklahoma was worse than the seven points indicates. There was just not enough for me to think that now Oklahoma is going to go from, I think, underachieving in the Big 12, even though they did win the conference, to them playing LSU as dominant as the Tigers were. So I like the LSU side, and I also like this game under 76, because if Oklahoma has any chance here, I do not think that they want to get into a slinging around throw the ball up and down the field matchup with the Heisman Trophy winner and likely number one overall pick, Joe Burrow. Uh, LSU also has NFL defensive backs. I mean, they got NFL talent everywhere. But whether it's Derek Stingley, uh, Christian Fulton, Grant Delpit, Kerry Vincent, I think they have enough in the secondary to where C.D. Lamb is not going to be able to run up and down the field and have a big game. They're going to have to run Jalen Hurts. And I know that they're a little dinged up in the backfield, the Sooners are. But I think they're just going to be left with no choice but to try and shorten this game. That's why I also like the under. And the total is high enough where I know sometimes, you know, big dog and the under can be correlated. I don't think that's the case here. I think LSU wins this game something like 45-20. So Tigers in the under for me. Yeah, this is way too many points. Um, I'm going to have to agree. I'm going to go with the under as well. And, you know, frankly, um, Oklahoma's offense, you know, they've been they've been good, but they just they haven't been great the past couple games. You know, they could have put up a, a little more. You know, I mean, 34 is nothing to joke about, obviously. But earlier in the season, they were consistently putting up 40s, you know. So, their scoring definitely trended downwards towards the end. Nonetheless, they still finished the season, you know, winning all their games. But they played close games. And their defense was playing a little well, or a little better. And we know what this LSU team can do. And 
we also know how explosive both offenses are. So maybe a little offensive game plan is to keep the other team's offense off the field. Am I right, Greg? You know, especially for Oklahoma and especially, you know, the same for LSU because both these teams can score quickly. That's why they're here. They're two of the top four teams in the country. So as we talk about sometimes in NFL games with clashes of Titans, sometimes your best defense is just having your offense on the field. So we could see that here. 76, it's a lot of points. And frankly, I don't think a high-scoring game favors LSU, Greg. I don't know about you. I know this LSU offense is high-powered, but I don't, I don't know if this game is, is going back and forth, back and forth. I'm going to actually be giving the edge to Oklahoma, and I don't think that LSU wants that. I really don't. Um, Jalen Hurts rushing the ball, and in this position before, he's played in big games, experience here, right? This is Burrow's sure. biggest game you know of his career not saying he's gonna have a bad game I you know I think he's a great quarterback and he's he's talented enough he's he's ready for the moment I'm just saying a shootout you know with the talent running of Jalen Hurts when it gets down to it we've seen running quarterbacks just I just feel like there's an edge for running quarterbacks late in the game when you're trying to drive down the field and it's so tough to play that kind of defense where you take away the deep ball at the same time, you take you spy the quarterback and you're taking away the run. It's very difficult. So if this game comes down to the end, I wouldn't be surprised if Oklahoma takes it. With that being said, I don't think it comes down to the end. I think LSU wins this game. I think they control time possession, control the clock, and I think the game goes under as well. Let's go to the other game uh, where we have Ohio State and Clemson. Uh, probably the game of the bowl season that everybody is looking forward to, and rightfully so. I think this is going to be the best semifinal game in the history of the playoffs so far. Uh, Clemson is a one-and-a-half-point favorite, I'm seeing, with a total of 63-and-a-half. Matt, you like the side? Yep, short and sweet, Ohio State. I'm riding with my team that I've been riding all year. Uh, Ironic, because obviously I rode Clemson as well. Both of these teams I cashed. Uh, their team total wins over, you know, I had both these teams coming into the playoffs uh, as long as Oklahoma. So we did pretty well with the playoffs. I had the all four teams, um, but nonetheless, I'm taking Ohio State. They've played better competition all year. And I understand that's always the debate for Clemson. And it was last year. And Clemson still won. But Ohio State comes into this game playing Penn State, Michigan and and Wisconsin. So not only had they played better teams all year, oh yeah, the three best teams they played all year, they just have played. Now, couple weeks off, I just, I just like what's going on in Ohio State. I like Justin Fields. I understand Trevor Lawrence is great, but I want to see him beat up on a real defense. I'll tip my cap if he pulls off this win, and it's very likely, but I'm siding with Ohio State, who's seen better defenses all year long, and... This Clemson team, you know, I just I just don't know. It's tough because they don't play the teams that the Ohio State's play, that the that the LSU's play. They don't play those teams, so it's really tough. But I do like Ohio State here. Ohio State, at the end of the day, also, in my mind, in this game, has the best player on offense and the best player on defense. Uh, I'll take I'll take Ohio State. Yeah, I, I will say, though, Matt, and, and the reason, I mean, this was the hardest side for me to pick of the bowl season and why I pass it. Um, you At all concerned about Justin Fields' health, because that has obviously been a topic of discussion the last month. No, he'll be ready for this game. 
Okay, well, uh, that does lean me to think. Get a nice little shot in the butt, and he'll be ready. I do kind of like the under in this, and I have played it. Uh, it doesn't look like this total has moved a ton. Uh, I bet it at 63. I think he can get 63 and a half now. Uh, but just kind of a, a, a thing I like to do in all sports, and we just saw this, and we're going to get to a few NBA picks in just a few minutes, but we just saw Christmas Day unders, another profitable day there. Didn't get off to a good start, but they ended up going 3-2. and two. I think unders in big, high-profile games are normally smart plays because everybody's watching and everybody normally likes to see points. So that makes it difficult, I think, to go over in some games like that. We just talked about how high that 76 was in Oklahoma LSU. I think the 63 is pretty high here for Clemson and Ohio State because Ohio State, you mentioned Chase Young. Uh, Jeff Akuda, the corner, is going to go in the top 10 probably in the draft. And, you know, Ohio State is DBU, basically. They just churn out D-backs. So I'm not sure that Trevor Lawrence is just going to be able to zing the ball up and down the field. And conversely, you know, we'll see about fields. But I think for for Ohio State, the guy that they really want to focus on and and build their offense around is going to be J.K. Dobbins here. So I And he's their back. So I, 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 I like the under the total Matt you have anything on the total in this uh no but if I had to I would lean the under as well for all the same reasons you said as well and don't forget Greg these people these players are human and a lot of them are under the age of 21 um you can't tell me that nerves don't play a fact absolutely it's a great point I love doing the same thing in the college basketball final four taking unders Uh, I, I actually did this last year uh first half under in both uh, Auburn, Virginia, and Michigan State, Texas Tech. I won both. Uh, it's a perfect play as well. It's the biggest thing maybe, in these kids' lives. Maybe, maybe this is me just being a little biased towards the under, but I just I just feel like nerves affect an over or an under throw or dropping the ball off your Absolutely. fingertips rather than making a tackle, right? When you're going to make a tackle, I, I don't. I just don't know if the well, nerves well, are there. Even you're if just you hitting the man off, with your body. You know, like you got 10 other guys on defense that can help you out. Exactly. You know, as opposed to the offense, it's you throw the ball and it's either on the money or it's not. And then he either catches it or he doesn't. You know, it's a like you said, you know, maybe he might hit him, not fully tackle him. But by, by the time you slow him down, someone else comes again. So I just think that it, obviously the defensive players get a little nervous as well. But I think the nerves impact offensive players a little more. Nonetheless, kicking. Remember, these are college kickers, right? These aren't NFL kickers, and we see NFL kickers miss kicks all the time. So don't tell me the kickers aren't going to be nervous in this game. So I I typically, in big games, lean under as well. I think that's just – it's normally a first look under or pass for me. I I don't like to play overs in big games. And again, another game just like this, both prolific offenses – how, what is the best way for them not to score, to play great defense? No, Greg, it's to have your offense on the field, right? Because unless you're turning the ball over for a pick six or a fumble for a touchdown or whatnot, the other team can't score. So having your offense on the field, like you said, J.K. Dobbins is an absolute tank. Ohio State will be running the ball, and they will be playing Big Ten football, which is run, ground, pound, defense, and, and I, I just like Ohio State here. Let's go ahead and give you three more picks for the bowl season. We're going to stop at the Monday games uh, in hopes of releasing another pod uh, for you with some Tuesday picks. Uh, But I am going to actually, Matt, let's start with you because you have a play on the first game 
on the Monday slate, and that is Western Michigan and Western Kentucky. Three-point favorites are the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers, and you like them. Uh, yeah, Greg, I, I, I do like Western Kentucky in this spot here. Um, this is, it's really just, it's kind of what we talked about earlier, right? You know, Western Kentucky <clears throat> sitting here at eight and four. So, you know, they were five and four just three games ago and they win their final three coming into this game. So, you know, they ended the season on the right note going in the right direction, and these are teams that I look for with motivation, right? What better way than to cap this 8-4 and four season off, winning three straight games at the end to win now your fourth, win the bowl game, and finish 9-4? and four. You know, meanwhile, <clears throat> Western Michigan comes in here losing a, ha- a, a bad, a bad, huge, bad loss against NIU, they were 10-point favorites. You know, they lost by a field goal. It was actually a pathetic game. I watched that game. And from why, and that's my main reason. From from that game, I just it's, it's more of a fade of Western Michigan person. I think they're coming in. No motivation here. I think Western Kentucky gets it done. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I don't really have much on this game. Uh, definitely wishing you nothing but the best. I want to move on, though, as we want to finish up our college football here. Uh, I'm going to go out west to the Red Box Bowl. Uh, the Cal Golden Bears are a six-point favorite against the Illinois Fighting Illini. And this is a pretty easy one for me. I'm going to lay the six with the Cal Golden Bears. This game is being played at Levi Stadium in the Bay Area. Of course, that's the home of the San Francisco 49ers. So uh, you're going to have a de facto home game here for Cal. And then also, uh, I, I just think in general, right, like Illinois comes into this game and w- – you think about what Illinois did to get here, some pretty impressive wins, uh, beating Purdue as a 10-point dog outright, beating Michigan State as a 15-and-a-half-point dog outright. They also covered a big number against Iowa, so they've been doing well against the spread. But then when it was all locked up, when they already had the bowl game in the bag, they lose 29-10 to a horrible Northwestern team who could not score really much this season. I think that's very similar here. This Cal offense was pretty bad. So if you forget the home field thing, it might be easy to say, oh, Illinois beat Michigan State. Illinois won as a 10-point dog against Purdue. Illinois covered against Michigan as well. I forgot to mention them, who they covered the number against, and they covered the number against Iowa. It might be easy to say all these things. And now we're getting six points against a bad Cal offense. It just feels like, uh, you know, that line is almost begging you to take Illinois. Uh, and, and again, with the home field, too, I like Cal. Yeah, I, I, I like Cal for all the reasons you say as well. I'm going to actually have to agree that, you know, I don't know if I'm going to play this, but I, I do like I do like Cal as well. Lastly, our final college football pick on this pod. We've been giving out plenty. Matt is going to take us to the Orange Bowl down in Miami Gardens, Florida, the Hard Rock Stadium, the host of this one, uh, SEC versus the ACC, Florida, 14.5-point favorite, total 55. Uh, You like the total against Virginia. Yeah, I'm going over here. I've seen, you know, Virginia go over five straight games to end the season. Florida over three out of the last five. This Florida offense has been putting up points. And let me tell you, this Virginia defense has just looked absolutely pathetic. 
On the flip side, they have also put up points. I mean, they even put up 17 against Clemson in their final game of the season. So if they can put up 17 against Clemson, I don't see why there's any reason why they can't put up 24 against Florida. I don't see why there's any point uh, reason Florida can't eclipse the 30-point mark. I mean, Virginia has allowed 62, 39 excuse me, 62, 30, 27, 28, 31. So all right around that 30 mark to all teams that had a le- have a less higher, high power than Florida. This is going to be a game, a competitive game between both them. Monday night, primetime, ESPN, you know, two teams finishing in the ranks. Florida wants to make their case. They're, they finished number nine, and, and I think both teams are going to come here. It's going to be a shootout. Alrighty, let's move forward, and uh, no ads this week, so all picks, we get to keep things moving uh, with the association. Matt and I just have a couple of consensus plays, and I'll take the lead first on the Orlando Magic. At home, getting two and a half, three, uh, depending on where you shop, uh, against the Philadelphia 76ers. Pretty easy one for me here, especially being a Sixers fan, uh, I know this team, I like to think I know them pretty well, and we've seen them get up for the big games, crushed the Bucks on Christmas Day. We saw them go to Boston earlier this month I and beat the Boston Celtics, and now they go to Orlando. It just feels like a good spot to fade the Sixers. NBA regular season, we just finished talking a lot about motivation in bowl games. NBA regular season is a lot the same, too, and we've seen the Sixers in these spots, they also had a win uh, over Toronto this month at home. So they've been doing well against the top competition, proving that they are a contender to win the NBA Finals. And then they go to Orlando, a team that I think gets up for this game a lot more than the Sixers do. I mean, anytime you have a mediocre team like Orlando that's kind of in the middle of the bottom of the playoffs, you know, six to eight seed, when they have those big opportunities against the top teams, they care a lot more. I I like to think if the Sixers lose this game, I don't think they really care. And we also get a little bit of a look ahead to tomorrow night for the Sixers when they go to Miami to play the Heat, a team that they lost to at home. The Heat were the team that handed the Sixers their first home loss of the season. Love, love, love the Magic. And I'm going to take the points. If you want to take the money line here, plus 125, plus 130, you're probably going to be all right too. Uh, but I did get in at two and a half with Orlando. And Matt, I know you like this. Greg, I am salivating over this game. I already locked it in last night. If there's a time to fade a team in the NBA, tonight is the time. The Sixers are coming off their first Christmas game, home Christmas game, in 32 years. They're, it happened to be their biggest win of the season and I'll go as far as saying it might end up being the biggest win of the Sixers season all year. I mean, they beat the best team in the NBA, the Milwaukee convincingly. Bucks. Convincingly. Convincingly. They dominated them. They were up by 30 at one point. They were shooting the lights out. They were dominating. Giannis got teed up. The Bucks were frustrated. The Sixers were out there having fun. Joel Embiid dominated. The threes were pouring in. The stadium was rocking. And now, you know... Then they had a day off to think about that. And then they traveled down to Orlando. And like you said, now they're playing this Orlando Magic team. Why am I talking like this? Because it's the boring Orlando Magic team. And then they play the Miami Heat tomorrow, who they lost to at home last time. So 
you know, there's no such thing as a sandwich game in the NBA, in my opinion, because there's so many games. It's like, which one's bad? But if there is, like, yeah, I was this, one say, would, this is the closest thing. This is the closest thing to it. Get your money on the Orlando Magic. I'm playing money line. Let me tell you, there's no point to play the plus three here. I will guarantee you the Magic win this game or they don't cover. I will guarantee it. The Sixers either walk in and continue to pump their chest on the NBA and they and they handle the Magic or the, the Magic catch them sleeping and they're still thinking about the Bucks win. And I happen to think the latter, that they're still thinking about the Bucks win and the Magic coming off of a few days break, catch them sleeping, catch a dub here. Markel Fultz is going to go off for 30 points. You can book it. Ooh, that would be uh, painful to watch, but I don't necessarily hate the handicap. Lastly, another consensus play. And listen, they might not be the same Warriors, but they're playing really well of late. Matt and I both like Golden State plus the three. Uh, and I think you're going to probably take this on the money line as well against the Phoenix Suns. Uh, plus 133 I'm seeing on the Golden State money line. But listen, Warriors, I, I think it's like five in a row they've won or four in a row. Three in a row. Three in a row. Three in a row. Let's okay. Not, let's not get crazy out here, Greg. Well, hey. Let's go 3-0 and against the spread as well. Note that down. Okay. So it's a team that you think about all the ancillary pieces and all the you know role players that are trying to prove their worth to be a part of the Warriors' future. Looks like they're starting to gel and find some chemistry. And gosh, what greater evidence of that than how they closed out that Christmas game against Houston, picking up the big upset win. So uh, I do like the Warriors. I'll let you get in on this as well. Yeah, I mean, Greg, look, maybe the Suns, you know, they started out hot in the season and we were calling them a playoff team and this and that. But hey, reality hit them real quick. Two and eight in the last 10. They're on a seven game losing streak. They're playing pathetic basketball. Give me the Warriors here on a three-game winning streak, feeling themselves, and Draymond Green, take that three-pointer over because he's going to hit two or three tonight. Let's wrap things up on the gridiron with the National Football League. Week 17, uh, we're going to try and go through our picks pretty quickly here as we come up on an hour. Uh, but before we do that, uh, it is week 17, which of course means futures bets are going to be decided. Matt, I am told it's been a pretty good season for you as far as the futures are concerned. Greg, as far as the futures are concerned, I don't know what more I really could have asked for other than the Steelers to win the AFC North. I mean, I'm going to run through them real quickly. So I got in right after the Andrew Luck news dropped, before books adjusted. I got in on Texans to win the division. Obviously, I, I coming into the season, I figured, I, I think as most people figured and the odds figured, you know, the Texans and the Colts were the two top teams. Obviously, the Titans gave, ended up giving the Texans a run for their money. Nonetheless, the Texans got the job done. They won that big game against the Titans, and they locked up the division. That was it. We got that at plus 280 odds. We threw two units on that. That was a nice win. So there we go. That was, an, that was a great win. On the flip side, Greg, I actually double cash when the books over-adjusted for the Colts. I knew about Joe Kobe Brissett. I knew what he did in New England. I knew he was no Joe Schmo, and I knew he could operate this Colts team that had a great offense and defense around him with a great coaching staff, and that's really what you need in the NFL. Uh, an average quarterback who just can, can just manage the game with a great defense, good offense, good coaching. That's how you can win games. So I bought back on the Colts as well. You can call it a slight hedge against my Texans' future. Nonetheless, they both won because I cast my over 6.5 Colts wins 2-0 and on the futures counting we're coming into this game we have eagles on the money line 
minus 130. That's because we booked Eagles to win the division, to win the NFC East. And that was about minus 120, minus 130. And now they come into this game, excuse me, minus 210. So, you know, we're obviously getting better odds on this game here. If you want, you can even hedge out of the future and take the Giants. Obviously, I'm not going to do that. I expect the Eagles to win, and I expect us to move to 3-0 and on our futures. Another great one that I loved coming in, and I'm happy it worked out as it did, Packers. To win the NFC North, I hit that at plus 210, Greg. You know, that's a great one. I knew Aaron Rodgers with the new head coach, with all the murmurs, a lot to prove this year. And let me tell you, they did it in a weird way. Rodgers had his games. Aaron Jones had his games. The defense had his games. Nonetheless, the Packers won the division. I mean, there we go. Sitting at 4-0. Look, I can't be too upset about not hitting my Steelers to win the division future. Obviously, Big Ben goes down. And to think that they would be sitting here uh, at 8 and when Big Ben went down, sitting here at 8 and um, <clears throat> eight and 7, right? Yeah, 8 yeah. and 7. I, I would have never thought so. So, I mean, obviously, I lost the division, but... We have a chance for the over nine wins, another one unit play there to get the push there. So I would love to get the push there, along with Steelers to make the playoffs. If they do win this game, they make the playoffs. So if they make, if they get this win, no harm, no foul, right? We lose the division, we push on the win total, and we make the playoffs. So there we go. We'd go even, and I'm loving that. Rams under 10.5 wins. That was a no-sweat uh, no winner. Browns under 9.5 wins. Another no-sweat winner. You know, the Giants over five and a half. I, the Giants didn't perform as I expected. Daniel Jones ended up going downhill. Saquon Barkley had some shaky games. You know, obviously, then Daniel Jones got a little hurt. They had some injuries to their receiving core, and the Giants didn't turn out as I wanted. And, uh, you know, I had the Dolphins over four and a half, and everyone laughed at me a few weeks in. Meanwhile, here they are sitting at four wins, and, you know, uh, obviously, I don't think they're going to beat the Patriots, but I'm sure it got a lot closer than people thought after the first four or five games. I'll tell you, I'll tell you that much. So uh, I can't hate my my, my 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 over four and a half wins after they started the season. What zero and seven or zero and eight? So you know they kind of turned it around. Thanks, Fitzmagic, but that's an L. <clears throat> Packers to make the playoffs, cash with ease. Seahawks to make the playoffs, cash with ease. Both of those at plus money. Greg, it was a great NFL future season for me and I'm really happy how it turned out and like I said I expect to only win more when the Eagles lock up the NFC East and when the Steelers I expect them to beat the Ravens um and to and to you know secure that playoff spot and push all my over nine wins and Greg Greg excuse me last but not least this one feels great Greg the $25 current closer 10 unit play bears under nine and a half wins was not even close. Yeah, they will probably finish at 8-8, eight and eight, but that's still one one win to spare, and it just didn't feel close all year. You, ne- you knew they were never going after their shaky start, and it all started with the first loss at home to the Packers, and it just, it just kept getting better after that, Greg. So great future season from me. Hey, uh, good stuff. Good to hear a lot of winners there coming out of your mouth, uh, and it was good – that, um, you know, you're, you're, everybody that bought the Bears pick, cashed as well, always good when you can sell a winner like that. I wasn't as profitable, but I did uh, end up going 5-4 and four on my win totals. I'll just run through them real quickly. I, I took one division uh, future, which I'll get to, uh, but uh, I guess I'll start with the bad. 
I, I had a couple of just throw them out, easily losers. Atlanta Falcons over eight and a half wins, never really had a chance. Uh, ditto for New York Jets over seven and a half wins. Shame on me for buying the Jets hype there. And, uh, you know, kind of thought the Saints might dip back a little bit. And that has not been the case. So their win total of under 10.5 was an easy loss. Uh, but, you know, the good thing is I had plenty of easy winners as well. I was on that under 9.5 Bears as well. That one was never in a whole lot of doubt, as was under 9 for the Browns is what I took. Under 10.5 Rams was pretty easy. Uh, and over eight and a half for the 49ers. My God, I kind of think, I think they were eight. Well, they, what were they already over that by the time they lost their first game? So, I mean, it was that, a pretty bad Brett bet, Greg. You got lucky, I must say. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that, I think they were what 10, were they 10 and 0 or, or am I getting a little ridiculous? Now, I, I want to say at least, actually, they lost to, I want to say they were eight and 0 when they lost that game to Seattle. So, nonetheless, it was an easy one. Uh, Seattle. Over eight and a half. Also, yeah, passed. they were eight and zero. They were eight and zero when they lost that game to Seattle, and then they so so they so they won. They won. They 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 were nine and one. So you won that bet in ten weeks, Greg. That's amazing. Yeah, and, and it was a plus one forty ticket as well to go over the Niners' win total. Sheesh. Uh, so we're tired on that one, Greg. Yeah, trust me. I wish they were all like that. Uh, that was beautiful. Uh, Seattle even money over eight and a half. That also easily cashed. So. There were plenty of good ones in there as well. Bears, Browns, Rams, Seahawks, uh, 49ers uh, were all winners. Uh, and then, uh, unfortunately, I took a bad number, and it's going to come back and bite me. I went over 9.5 on the Steelers' win total. So that was over when the Steelers lost last week to the Jets. However, I did hedge on that a little bit. I took the Jets plus the three. I obviously hoping for a Steelers one to three point victory to keep it alive. Uh, but the Jets won the game and I won one unit back on the Jets plus the three last week. So I ended up going five and four on my futures and my win totals. And then my division that I took hangs in the balance on Sunday night. I have the Seattle Seahawks at plus 285 to win the NFC West. And obviously it comes down to Sunday night's game, which we'll get to between Seattle and San Francisco. Let's wrap things up, though, with our Week 17 picks. And I'm going to start with a game that nobody probably cares about, but this goes back to what Matt said. You don't necessarily have to take the games with playoff implications, just how you don't necessarily have to jump to take Ohio State or Clemson in the bowl season. All tickets cash the same, and I am on the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm on a money line here, plus 130. At home against the Cleveland Browns, simply put, Cincinnati comes into this game at 1-14. Not really sure if Coach Zach Taylor will survive. Maybe he'll be one and done. You can say the same about Freddie Kitchens. Certainly, he could be one and done as well in Cleveland. But I do think that the Bengals care more about this game. Andy Dalton auditioning for probably the rest of the NFL because we all expect the Cincinnati Bengals to select Joe Burrow with the number one overall pick. So Dalton with something to prove. And my condolences go out to Joe Burrow and his family. Yeah, exactly. Well, hey, 
be pretty cool if he could turn the Bengals around being a uh, Southeast Ohio native. Actually, screw that. He's going to be getting paid $30 million. He can lose every single game next season for all I forget. There is that as well. Uh, But in-state rivalry here, and it was a close game in Cleveland, which the Browns were able to pull out uh, in the fourth quarter by eight points uh, earlier in December. So I do think that Cincinnati – He's a little juiced up to beat its rival, get their first-year coach another win, uh, and they already locked up the number one pick, so I do think they're going to be playing harder than a Browns team that, I mean, <laughs> let's be honest, like, what? why should we believe that they're going to come and play hard in this game? I do think the Bengals will play a little bit harder, so I like the Bengals on the money line for my first pick. Don't hate it, Greg. Don't hate it. Finally, in the one game where they they actually don't want to lose, maybe they will come to play and win. Um, Greg, however, we have a an alert, an in-podcast alert. I am booking a max play on the Chicago Bears. Yes, the Chicago Bears, who I have been fading all year and I took the under. Minus 130 money line I just caught it at. And I already tweeted it out about 10 minutes ago, 15 minutes ago. The Vikings are planning on benching a majority of their starters and looking at this game as a bye week, including quarterback Kirk Cousins. Maybe that will end up being better for the Vikings, and I'll get screwed. I'm not sure. (laughs) But with that being said, I actually think that this, as we speak about in bowl games, I think this is a tremendous, tremendous motivational spot for Coach Nagy and the Bears. Sure. I don't see Coach Nagy as a coach to roll over, and especially coming off of last year, a divisional win, twelve and or twelve and four, whatever they finished right last year. I think it was twelve and four. They went, yeah, twelve and four. This game, you know, they can salvage a five hundred season. Mitch Trubisky can maybe somewhat put together a good game. You know, they've after the pathetic loss at home against the Chiefs, somehow, some way, they can end the season on a positive note. And with the Vikings benching all their starters, looking at it as this is a bye week, I see this Bears team having whatever motivation they have left to just end this season on a win, end this season going 500 and just totally regrouping, coming into next year, reevaluating it. But nonetheless, I mean, I'll I'll take the Bears starters over this Vikings backup team any day. Yeah, and one other thing on this, I I like where you're going. Uh, For what it's worth, Matt Nagy finishing up his second season in Chicago – He's 3-0 and so far against the Vikings. So I think little things like that, they beat Minnesota back in September in a low-scoring game. I think little things like that here could angle into how he calls the game. Might want to stay perfect against a division rival. Uh, just something to have in his back pocket. Um, let's keep moving, though. Uh, and you're going to give out... Uh, you like New England up as a hefty favorite at home against the Dolphins, Matt. Uh, currently, we are seeing the Patriots as a 16-point favorite, total 44.5 at Gillette Stadium. But uh, I think you're you're playing New England first half and full game? First half and full game. Patriots get it done here. They get ready for the playoffs. Um, they're obviously going to win this game because it matters. And, you know, they do they 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 have to they have to look good like they have to come into the playoffs hot i mean not to say that there's pressure on them in this game against the freaking you know dolphins but um they win this game and they dominate and the dolphins the dolphins aren't showing up here 
Yeah, I actually disagree with that. Uh, I know uh, we've been agreeing a lot, which is good, but some disagreements always healthy. I like the Dolphins to stay inside the 16 for the full game. A couple things. Uh, Dolphins have been a team that has been playing hard the second half of the year. You mentioned how they're already now at four wins and getting close to their season win number. Um, and then you think about New England, and I think this is an angle to consider with Week 17 teams. We're going to see point taxes on the favorites, the teams that have to win, uh, and we're seeing that with some big lines this week. I would much sooner play New England in the first half. I, I, I like Kansas City in the first half. Teams that want to come out and set the pace and end the game early, that is a first-half play, whereas the full game, you mentioned it, getting ready for the playoffs, calling the dogs off, maybe pulling some starters a little earlier than they might. Backdoor was open for the Jets in Foxborough back in September because they pulled Brady early. Uh, This is a huge number. And the Dolphins, I think, because of how hard they've been playing, they're going to remember what happened down in Miami when New England absolutely blew the doors off them. So I do think they're going to play hard enough to cover this number. And I don't think New England in the second half has any reason to get the appropriate margin. This is just get the win and get the bye. Uh, and, and they all know what they're capable of. In that yeah, way. I mean, the only thing is, Greg, over the past couple years, Miami's 5-13 and 13 against the spread road games played in December and January. You know, obviously there's slight correlation there to the weather change because most of the time when they're traveling. Good point. You know, they're going from somewhere warm to cold. <clears throat> and, you know, since 1992, Greg, they're 2-8 and eight against the spread when playing in New England in December. So I know that goes all the way back to 1992, but that shows, you know, there's only been 10 games that they've played, so they're not too accustomed to playing in this New England cold in December, and they're two and eight against the spread in those ten games. To add to that, New England's twenty-one and five against the spread in their last twenty-six games as a double-digit favorite. Uh, so well, the they, trend is certainly going to favor New England here, right? You know, and, and one more. I mean, they're nine and two against the spread in their last eleven games in Week Seventeen. So to think that the Patriots just roll over in Week Seventeen or just get the win. That's actually not really the case because they're nine and two against the number in their last eleven, and we know that they have had the division wrapped up their last eleven. I think it's actually a slight misconception that some sometimes, not all the time, that certain teams do just roll over when they have their spots or divisions wrapped up. But instead, certain teams do, certain teams don't. Especially with the shakiness of the offense this this week, Patriots are going to treat this like a practice. They're gonna they're gonna they're gonna look to. Uh, get their offense right, get their defense flying around out there. Defensive touchdown will come in this game for sure. A nice little prop to play. Um, I like the Patriots to run through the Dolphins. So a little so the East. Uh, let's go down to the uh, AFC South, where I have a play on the Indianapolis Colts. Matt just talked about them as a win total winner for him. Uh, Indianapolis, three-and-a-half-point road favorite against Jacksonville. Uh, pretty easy one here. I think Doug Marone's on his way out down in Jacksonville. That seems like they're about to kind of clean house there. It's been a disappointing year. Crazy to think that the Jacksonville Jaguars just two years ago were one win away from getting to the Super Bowl and really should have won that game in Foxborough. And here they are now about to make a coaching change with more quarterback questions. Um, and, and, and Frank Reich... You know, we know him as Eagles fans 
as the offensive coordinator for a Super Bowl Bowl winning team. He just seems to be a methodical, studious coach that is always going to have his teams prepared to play. I think that Monday night game against New Orleans was the anomaly. We saw them come back and take care of business easily last week against Carolina. Uh, There's enough for me to believe that Indianapolis is still playing hard here. Jacksonville did not play well in Atlanta last week and for three quarters didn't play well against Oakland and they were able to uh, catch the Raiders napping and come back and pull that upset win. So not liking a lot of what I'm seeing out of Jacksonville down the stretch. And as I said, with a lot of changes coming, Coughlin already got fired, the president there. Uh, Marone's next. Uh, not a team I want to buy at least. Team. I like the full time can have. Yeah, I agree. This Jags team has been a dumpster fire, and it's kind of ironic. I feel like it's ever since Nick Foles has come back, and now, uh, you know, with the benching of Nick Foles and, and Minshew, they're clearly looking at a different direction. Crazy. Uh, I mean, you know, has gone away pretty fast. Yeah, and then the trading of Jalen Ramsey. So this this right. Jaguars team has really just um, had it came in on a dumpster fire with with wild card aspirations or or maybe even division aspirations coming into the season, and here they are about to be picking in the top ten. So, uh, Lastly, a uh, 1 o'clock early window money line parlay from Matt. Where are you going there? Yeah, so I'm not getting cute. I'm not, you know, second-guessing anything, and I'm laying the lumber on this three-team parlay. I really could care less. All three of these teams are going to win. It's just a matter of by how much. Pats, Chiefs, Saints. I'm getting minus 175 in that parlay. I know it's a little steep. Pats... Let's just run through the scenarios here. Pats, it's an important win for them. They win this game. They lock up the bye uh, and home field, obviously. Chiefs win this game. They, they keep their spot in the three seed. And, you know, in case the Patriots somehow do fumble, I mean, they would then have the tiebreaker over the Patriots, and then they would move on to the bye <clears throat> They would move on to the bye, and the Patriots would not. So, nonetheless, I think both of these teams easily get it done, you know, especially both at home, both against divisional opponents they've seen lately. The Chargers have severely underperformed, and it's just going to be a very Chargers ending to this season against this Chiefs team in Mahomes, and that defense is flying around out there, so I like them. I'm not even going to go into it anymore. And the Saints as well, they're on the road. I understand not at home, but they are still playing to, you know, the Saints as far as, as far as I'm concerned, they are playing for seeding as well. You know, they want that by if the Packers were to stumble or if the 49ers were to stumble against the Seahawks, it's very likely the Saints can end up in that one or two spot, and that's really what they're going for there. Panthers have been pathetic as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, hard to really argue with any of that. I mentioned I am going to play the Chiefs in the first half on that spread against the Chargers. Chargers, another team that you know, you would think is tapping out on the season and Kansas City trying to get that by. I think they're going to uh, come out and at least make the Pats earn it themselves. Uh, so I like Kansas City in the first half and certainly not going to argue with your parlay. Let's move on to the four o'clocks where uh, I think um, I think we both like this game under the total Baltimore and Pittsburgh. Uh, I bet this earlier in the week at 38 and a half down to 37. I'd probably still play it. I mean, it's pretty simple, right? I mean, Baltimore's resting guys. RG3 is going to start a quarterback. You have to think a pretty vanilla game plan from the Ravens coaching staff. 
And then I think we've seen plenty now of the Steelers. Gosh, it, it looked like they might be able to still sneak into the playoffs and they're going to need the Titans to lose, which probably isn't going to happen against the Texans team with not much to play for. Uh, but we've seen the Steelers the last couple of weeks uh, without Ben Roethlisberger. They've really started to miss him more. Uh, Devlin Hodges, Mason Rudolph, neither one of them really, really is anything. And they're going to have to figure out what they're going to do at quarterback in the post-Ben Roethlisberger era because this year certainly showed us that they do not have the answer on their current roster. Uh, so that's why the under is worth a look because the Steelers' defense has been playing so well. I took it at under 38.5. Matt, are you on this as well? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, personally, I'm not playing it as of right now. Um, could be something that I give a look later, but I love your analysis, and it's definitely something that I'll, I'll look into it. Like you said, I mean, the Steelers' offense has absolutely been pathetic, and I expect the Ravens, obviously, to bench their starters and such. But with that being said, Greg, the one thing that worries me here is, you know, their backups aren't that bad. Does RG3 right. have something to play point. for? Is he going to be... You know, playing a little well. Gus Edwards out of the backfield. He's not a he's not a bad running back. Or is or are they going to go all the way down to the depth chart? And is Gus Edwards even going to be off limits for this game? So it's just a little um, scary for me because I don't know exactly who's going to be playing. But nonetheless, the Steelers defense, like you said, is still really good. It's just these games for me are a little shaky because there's when you're analyzing a game, right? You you like to have as many fixed variables I always talk about as possible. And so with these games where teams are locked into playoff seating or where teams are fighting for their lives, there's not as many fixed variables. So it's just a tough one but in a divisional game with probably mostly bench players for the Ravens and a good defensive team and a pathetic offense for the Steelers under is a great look here. For sure. I want to go to the NFC East, and I actually my favorite play of the week is the Washington Redskins, plus 11 against the Dallas Cowboys. I know that the Cowboys need to win this game, and you're going to hear that a lot if you haven't already about different teams that need to win games. Obviously, it's week 17, but like I mentioned, uh, the point taxes I think are going to get some teams, and I absolutely think Dallas is one that it will get. Let's put it to you like this. It's just this number is way too high for a Washington team that is playing hard. And whether it's Bill Callahan trying to make a statement that he should be the head coach moving forward, or whether it's, you know, some young players trying to prove their worth for next season. You know, uh, I know Terry McLaurin's not going to play in this game, so that makes me worry a little bit. But, like, Darius Geis got hurt and then came back. Now he's hurt again. But my point is, like, different players on Washington seem to be valuing the auditioning that they've been going through for about two months now because we know they've been out and they fired Jay Gruden a while ago. Washington has not lost a game by 11 points since November the 17th. That's right. It's been a month and a half since Washington lost the game by this number, who are the Dallas Cowboys to be the team that bucks that trend? If we, I know the Rams, they blew them out, and that was a real impressive win. But if we look at the other games that Dallas has played recently, there's no reason to think they can win by this margin. And they've just been losing a lot of games. Lost to the Eagles. Lost to the Bears. Lost to the Bills. Lost to the Patriots. So they're coming in. Not playing well at all. They won at Detroit by eight points. So, besides that... Craig, I have a question for you. Yes. 
Are the Dallas Cowboys 11 points better than – or is, is Team A 11 points better than Team B, or is this the Dallas Cowboys versus the Washington Redskins? What do you mean? What I'm implying is I think this line is overinflated, and I'm agreeing with you due to the okay. fact that this is still the Dallas Cowboys right. versus the Washington Redskins. So, so I'm agree. I'm just, I'm agreeing with you. Is I don't see how this Dallas Cowboys team could possibly be eleven point favorites against any team Anyone in the exactly. NFL when they can barely put up points themselves. I mean, like yes, a forty four point performance against the Rams. I understand that was the biggest buy low sell high of exactly. the season. Essentially, the Rams are coming in steamrolling their their past two games looking like they're making this comeback and playoff run and then and then they just hit a wall which was the Cowboys which was like a pop-up wall the Cowboys probably didn't even thought that think that wall was coming from themselves and they just ended up going off on them but meanwhile the Cowboys absolutely suck that's it they suck they're not good right. they, and, and you know one last and Jerry Jones is 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 going to Make a lot of changes after this season. Yeah, you know, and that's the last angle here is we know that turnover is coming in Dallas. This is almost certainly going to be Jason Garrett's last game with the Cowboys. And oh, by the way, excuse me. Oh, by the way, Dak Prescott and his future will be the biggest question after the head coach is hired. My man doesn't have a contract next year. He's not on the roster. So there's all these questions about the future for Dallas now. Whereas Washington's been dealing with those questions because they've been out of it for a while. And as I said, still playing hard and, and competing in games. So I love the Redskins. I got to ask you, how do you pay Dak Prescott after this season? That's a great question. I mean, do you think he gets the franchise tag? So I think the Cowboys made an outstanding gamble. They didn't sign Dak Prescott. I think they knew all along more than what we knew. I think, to be honest, that they weren't so sure how this season was going to go. They weren't so sure about all this. So all these things that we think they didn't know, I think they did know. And I think there's a, a little subtle reason of why he didn't get the contract. Let me tell you this. There's no way Dak Prescott is getting that $40 million he was asking for oh, before no the season. Shot. Greg, I'm I don't know. i if they do give him a contract where Greg, it lands. I don't know if they're going to give him $30 million I don't know if they're going to even give him a contract, but they are, they almost have to, Greg, because they are just in such a middle spot with probably going to, you know, let's be real. They're probably going to end up winning this game. They're going to finish 8 8. They're going to draft somewhere in the middle of the pack, and they're going to have to sign Dak Prescott and just bank on the coaching change being the problem. Because with all this talent, they or quote-unquote talent, they have around Dak Prescott, it's just so tough for me to wrap my head around that they're just going to give up on Dak and draft a quarterback at, like, number 16, like a mediocre quarterback, and try and win a Super Bowl with him. Like, it just... But, however, they now did get a discount on Dak Prescott, and I think it could end up working out for them because with a new coach, with a full offseason, you know, I think that maybe they can turn it around and they might end up having a quarterback who actually ends up outperforming his contract due to this one down year. So it's really going to be interesting to see what happens down in Arlington. But uh, 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 nonetheless, I, I do think that the Redskins can stick with him this summer. Let's wrap things up with the primetime game, the final game 
in the NFL regular season. Matt, you like the home dog, Seattle, against San Francisco. Uh, I am seeing a juice three for San Francisco right now, minus $1.25 you'd have to lay to back the Niners. So that certainly is an indicator that this could get to three and a half. Yeah, I see three and a half in a lot of places. And Greg, you better scoop that three and a half up. It's it's. I was just... going to ask, I, I'm, I'm assuming you're taking the points. As I mentioned, I have the Seahawks to win the NFC West. So uh, I'm rooting for them to win this game outright. So I'm not taking I anything think else on do. the game. I think uh, yeah, I'm taking the points. I'm taking the money line. I'm taking everything. I oh, everything. Seattle. Okay. Uh, yeah, 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 everything. Uh, Marshawn, I understand. Lynch. Yeah, um, everything, everything. Seattle here. Now, this is a really interesting game, Greg, because these two teams were what we thought two juggernauts, and over the past few weeks, both teams have stumbled. The Niners two and two straight up, and two and two against the spread in their last four. Seahawks, one and two in their last three straight up, and oh, two and one. Yeah, they pushed when they won by six against the Panthers in their last three against the spread. So, very interesting game coming in here. Obviously, we know the winner wins the division here, and the Seahawks won this game on the road last time. I don't see how coming home. They can't do the same thing. And I don't see this game going any different than it did last game. And I'm taking the Seahawks for the exact same reason that I took the Seahawks last game. This is the better quarterback. This game will come down to the end. And when it comes down to the end, give me the magician that Russell Wilson is at home over Jimmy G in primetime with his outstanding primetime record over Jimmy G and their little play action, you know, whatever the hell they do down there. I understand the Niners are 12 and 3, but I still am just not sold on the Niners. I just I don't know what it is. I'm not sold on them. Uh, and I just I I just I like the Seahawks at home in this spot with so, the experience of Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll. And I think personally I also think this game means a lot more to the Seahawks, and I'll tell you why. Because I don't see the Seahawks going on the road and winning a game. However, all the trash I talked about the Niners. I do see the Niners going on the road and winning a game. You want to know why? Because they do have that defense. They have that defense. They can go into any stadium in the entire country and shut your offense down. So, Matt, I know we're running a little long, but you said you're not necessarily sold on the Niners. So, does that mean New Orleans is your pick out of the NFC? Yeah. Yeah, give me New Orleans. Um... Uh, every every day this week. New Orleans will be in the Super Bowl. And, Greg, you know who they're playing? I guess you're going to say Baltimore or Kansas City? Patrick Mahomes and the, and the Kansas City Chiefs. Okay. Drew wow. Brees. So, so Drew we, Brees. We, we looking at a Super Bowl, you're saying with both teams that don't get buys. Uh, yeah, I'm going slightly against the grain here because I understand that, especially out of, I believe, the NFC and both of them. I mean, we've seen the teams with the buys reach the Super Bowl in plenty of games, but I don't see anyone in the NFC getting in front of this Saints team. I don't care about the Niners. I really just, I don't care for them. I, I don't know what it is. The Saints are Michael Thomas. Give me that Drew Brees, Michael Thomas connection at any point in the game. And I'll take that against any defense. I'm not even kidding. Patrick Mahomes and that Chiefs and the, that Chiefs team 
have quietly, and yeah, quietly, I'm saying quietly, all the noise about are the Patriots the same, all the noise about Lamar Jackson this, Lamar Jackson that, all the noise about the Bills making the playoffs. Greg, they, they, they don't talk about Patrick Mahomes anymore. All of a sudden, they talk about Patrick Mahomes every single day on ESPN last year, and the Chiefs, all of a sudden, they don't talk about him. Meanwhile, the Chiefs are playing great football. Their defense is playing great. They have a great head coach in Andy Reid, and oh, yeah, they have arguably still the best quarterback in the National Football League, which is Patrick Mahomes. Give me the Chiefs. Give me the Saints. And old man Breeze is raising that trophy because the Saints are going to win the Super Bowl. And they are going to get karma for what happened to them last year. And they sure as hell deserve it because the Saints work hard. And I love Sean Payton. I love the Saints. If there's another team from the NFC to win the Super Bowl other than the Eagles, I will be pulling for the Saints heavily. There we have it, Matt. A lot of fun. We ran through a lot of picks. Everybody, please play responsibly. Matt, I'll talk to you next week. Yes, sir, Greg. I can't wait for this weekend. All right. For the ones who know that a little late is always too late and that the clock doesn't stop just because you're missing a part, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, and our KeepStock inventory management solutions help ensure you have the right stuff in the right place at exactly the right time. Visit Granger.com/keepstock to learn more. Granger for the ones who get it done.